Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode four with Karen Guggenheim. Karen is a co-founder of the World Happiness Summit and H20 Government Meeting, is founder and chief executive officer of Wuhasu, and is a keynote speaker. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Karen. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode four of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Karen Guggenheim. Karen, time is a finite resource. Underline everything you do across your life, your summit, your organization, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Look me, what drives you at your core? Well, John, uh, thank you first for for doing what you do. Um, So so happy to be part of this community. And for me, I have to say it's really purpose and meaning. It gives... um, incredible amount of meaning to my life to be able to use the resources that I was able to experience myself with the science of happiness and the tools, the evidence-based tools that we can implement in our daily lives to have an effect, uh, positive change, real change, right? Um, when I learned that, that a, uh, small act repeated over time, created such significant positive results, not only in my personal life, but in my work life, then um, I, I was very connected to the purpose of disseminating this information to as many people as possible. And through the World Happiness Summit, um, we were able to do that because we gathered the world's leading experts with a global audience. So that was kind of our beginning to create this community, right? And this kind of way of life and, and mindset that mm. is built around resilience and optimism and based on reality. So as one of the experts, Maria Seurat, talks about, I love the idea of the, um, the swamp and the pond. So the swamp are the parts where are, that are not so nice, maybe like we live with anxiety or stress or we didn't get the things we wanted to, but there's also the and, and that's the, the pond that we're, you know, we also, most of us have, are very fortunate that we have, um, you know, an abundance of, of uh, safety and shelter and opportunity and food and relationships and so I, I think it's really important to balance uh, our, our view of life, to incorporate, yes, the bad is there, but there's also a lot of good. And so uh, it's very important to live a purposeful life and to look at things uh, in a conscious way. And, and, and um, certainly the sense of happiness and well-being has provided that framework uh, for me and we have created so many different programs and resources to be able to give this knowledge out to the world in different ways. 
Beautiful. Uh, when you when you talk about uh, a personal life, when you look back to your your childhood or your early influences, what uh, really got you started on that path? Or was that something that uh, even from an early, uh, you know, the earliest days of your life, that you remember that there was something that uh, was kind of innate inside you that uh, really set you along a path? Because not everybody takes that uh, you know that kind of road. But to really find that that purpose within inside you, maybe in your childhood or your know, parental figure, uh, something to that effect. I think it, you know it's it's interesting you say that. So it takes me a moment to think about it. But it maybe is a combination of my parents and the situation of where I grew up. I grew up in Nicaragua, so very mm. unstable politically. So I saw it, it was a very real experience, and I saw. Um, the importance of showing up to your life, right? And then I was unfortunate that uh, that I have a very strong mother, so and that always um, told me that I could I could be anything I wanted to be. As, wow. you know, as a woman, was important that I was as as talented, as smart, etc., as a, as a man could be. So. Um, she really, um, embedded that in me that I could do that to be courageous. And so courage is very important courage to, to stand up to your life, to show up to your life. And then for my father, my father is an incredibly kind person. So I'm so attracted Mm. to kindness and vulnerability. And so, um, I love to quote this, this, this little silly quote that if, if you can be anything you, in a world where you can be anything, choose to be kind, be kind. That's something you can always do regardless of what profession you have. And um, uh, we just finished uh, reading in the book club on, on our platform, um, uh, Kelly Harding's book the rabbit effect and about the science of kindness. Mm-hmm. And so that's incredibly impacting. That's, that's coming from a, uh, an MD looking at the impact of kindness on the physical body, which is incredible research there. So, um, that's, that's kind of like been in, embedded in me, strength, courage, and kindness. And you talked about Nicaragua and that's, uh, you'd also talked about strength. Uh, what are some of the adversities that you saw early on in your life that really to help build that strength, that, that grit, the determination uh, as part of your childhood or a certain point in your life? Oh, my God. I saw a little bit of everything. It was quite scary to live in a regime with, uh, you know, with military and mm. with guns everywhere and not, and, and not feeling physically safe, although we were very fortunate um, in our in our situation in our family, but you know, when you left the bubble, it was very present there. There was also a lot of poverty, so that always impacted me as a child um, to see the pain of others. That was very hard, um, very real, very hard. Um, I guess some people become callous to that. For me, it always impacted me um, to, to 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 see that level of poverty mm-hmm. was very difficult. Um, and obviously, as a child, to see children suffering and uh, and not really clearly understanding why um, they had to suffer when I was having so much, right? And, and, and those kinds of things were really hard. Um, to grow up in a system like that was, was, was difficult. At the same time, I have to say that um, as many Latin societies, 
there's a very strong sense of relationship and community. And so that was a beautiful thing as well to, to feel that kind of, of love from strangers um, because uh, the relationship is very important in, in Latin society. So I was able to be fortunate enough to experience that and that kind of love or attention or affection from people that were not um, related to me. So, so that would, you know, to ask about how you are and how are your parents and they remember you. And so certain rituals around that um, were very nice and comforting. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It's, it's often missed in many cultures. In terms of that, that love, that, uh, you know, that strength that you built up over time, you've gone through adversity. Uh, you've seen it in terms of military. Uh, you had incredible supports in terms of your parents. How have you been able to kind of jump and in, to, to get to those experiences that really you can, you can focus that love, all the things, all the momentum that you build across your life to kind of to flow states and uh, into these, you know, these states we might call peak experience. Um, you know, what experiences in your life actually have allowed you to kind of to you know, really get to that next level uh, where you can experience your true being? Well, you know, <laughs> I say that uh, pain is a great catalyst for change. Right. Mm. So a lot of us need to have pain in order to really act and to really choose to be truly alive and to investigate what these peak experiences are for me. Right. And so for me, it was it was the passing of my husband, the very sudden passing passing seven years ago. And so from that pain, which, you know, it was it's it's interesting because it was like it was so painful that it was outside of my body. It was that painful. I could look at it. I could see it. It was it was that painful and shocking. And you know, when when you lose a spouse, what they don't tell you is that you also your identity dies in that moment because you go from wife to widow, right? Immediately, and you had no say in the matter, and it just happened immediately. Yeah. And um, you know, my you you go from the identity of uh, having this family in this future that you've planned and that's gone and, and, and having your children, having a father that's gone. So that was a really shocking experience. So for me, uh, what I tapped and, and, and my, and my husband was truly excellent. He had, he had this, 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 uh, combination of genius, brilliance, excellence, and kindness. So, mm. uh, I wanted his legacy to be a legacy of life. Of, uh, of what is good, of optimism, which was all that he was about. And, um, and that was very important to me. So in that experience and in that pain, I decided to see what I could do to, um, to really show and live this, this uh, purpose and this meaning. Because first I didn't, you know, it was difficult to, 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 to want to live, but then I had the responsibility of my children. And that's when I decided to live. And then I, if I was going to live, I was going to live happy. I didn't know how that, what that would look like, but that was a decision because I did not want to be a victim. I did not want to have that narrative for myself. I did not want to be pitied. And so four months later I enrolled and I did it for an MBA at Georgetown university. And, uh, I started mimicking what happy people do. So happy people, you know, engage in conversation and focus on different things. And for me, it started with focusing on something that I was in, learning something new, learning something new, 
giving meaning to uh, my life, my husband's legacy, what I wanted my legacy to be, what I wanted my children to see was mm. how do you stand up after something like this happens? How do you show up to your life? How do you take reins in a situation that you can't control? And, um, you know, I reinvented myself. I, I, I li- literally put myself back together again. And from that, I was able to become happy again. And then other opportunities, both personal and, and work-wise, opened up because I, was, I had the courage to be vulnerable and to live, really to live. I didn't stay hiding in, in, in my house or it's, it's interesting. The victim narrative is very appealing because, you know, I, I had, I was a widow at 42, so I could really play that card for a long time, right? To be, have people do things for me and me not really be responsible for all right. my actions. And, you know, if I was depressed and I didn't do, and I was depressed, okay? It, was, it did hurt horribly, mm. but I cried mm. and I dried the tears and I continued. And then when I, uh, you know, learned that there was this, the science of happiness and I looked back at the things that I had done, that I had gone through purpose and meaning, that I had learned something new, that I went into investing relationships, that I did all these things, then I said, oh my God, happiness is learnable and teachable. And so that's when uh, we launched the World Happiness Summit, Right. And that's when we created that. And I can tell you that absolutely peak experiences and being in absolute flow has been planning that event, now working for the Wahasu Foundation and founding that and being able to provide people with hope, with optimism, opportunities for themselves to give themselves the channel to connect with that, to connect with themselves, to connect with a larger a community around the world that has been, I mean, I didn't understand that such happiness was possible mm. or a sense of fulfillment, you know, to see that unfolding and to do that, to be able to do that for others has been just an incredible peak experience that I've been so fortunate to be a part of. Wow. Absolutely amazing. And how would you describe that when you've, uh, you know, working with world leaders, thought leaders, um, you know, planning uh, World Happiness Summit, you know, those moments, you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, even within uh, kind of peak experiences, there's ups and downs, but those, those moments where everything is just, you know, everything is just in the perfect place, the perfect time. How would you describe that in terms of your breathing or, uh, you know, just the experiences around the people that are working towards this, this common vision? For me, it was a couple of things. So in, in my body itself, it was just energy, just like mm. such amazing lightness. Okay. Just, and I was, you know, it's so much work because we're a small team and, uh, you know, both um, uh, uh, the co-founder, Manuel Pietra, myself, I worked really hard on this, but um, for me, it it was, I felt light. I felt so full of energy, full of energy in the creativity. I'm a very creative person. I, jo- I, I joke around and I, I, just, I, w- I wish I could be paid to think because I have this yeah. way of uh, connecting concepts and ideas and creating. I'm always creating, creating, creating. 
and the flow of vision and creativity that was coming out, even though it was working hours and hours and weekends and so forth, because, you know, we, 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 we founded the organization, I believe, in November for an event, a global event for March, yeah. which was, you know, really fast. And, uh, and so it was just so much creative energy and I wasn't tired. I wasn't tired at all. I was just invigorated and felt fresh all the time. I was sleeping great. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing was to be able to talk to people and collaborate the people that I was so fortunate enough to connect with and that have become my friends now, these amazing scientists and innovators and community was so beautiful to be able to talk about what we were doing and to create new uh, services, new ideas, new programs, and how to extend the reach of what we were all doing. And to have this collaborative effect was amazing. Mm. The collaboration was really special. Absolutely beautiful. And in terms of, did you notice uh, shifts in your breathing too as uh, throughout this journey as you, you moved mm-hmm. into uh, you know, if you could share, uh, sometimes it's hard to put into words, but just kind of, uh, kind of share what that experience was like for you. Well, uh, purposeful breathing saved my life. I mean, I had wow. been practicing yoga for about 15 years before my husband passed away. And just, you know, literally when, when he died, just to be able to focus on the breath and to have the controlled breath, the yuyahic breathing, yoga um just that really literally saved my life and then and then throughout um throughout the the experiences you know the challenging experiences to focus on purposeful deep breathing right and not shallow breathing that creates anxiety and uh and then in the in the peak experience and in, in, in flow just you know being conscious of the air coming in into my body and oxygenating my lungs and what was going on on a cellular level to my body. Um, that has also been an incredible experience to, uh, to focus on that. I am, I'm a yoga practitioner. I'm also certified as an instructor. I don't teach, but, but I, I, I am very, um, I'm a big proponent of the value even if you do a little bit, if you even do 15 minutes of yoga every day, every other day, it doesn't have to be a lot. It's just such an incredible moving meditation and it works on so many different levels. It's, uh, it's an antidote to, uh, to anxiety and stress. And also it, has, it, it optimizes um, when you're feeling great as well. It's just, it just releases so much uh, potential. So, so I'm a big proponent yeah. of purposeful breathing. Absolutely amazing. Um, if you could share a little bit more too as well, uh, just one of the small things that you do to maintain happiness uh, in your personal life. And you, you talked about yoga and really the small things that you do to impact yourself at, at a cellular level. It could be going for a walk, it could be taking some time out in the, in the middle of a hectic day. Uh, but if you share some of the small things that you do to, to main, maintain happiness, that'd be tremendous for the audience. So uh, I'm very fortunate that working 
for the World Happiness Summit and with the Wohasu Foundation, it keeps me honest. So I'm looking at this all the time, right? And so yeah. uh, the whether we're doing a masterclass or uh, a live event or et cetera, so I'm constantly bombarded. I told you this, I think, at the beginning that, you know, it's it's not big actions, it's little actions. The, the key is over time. It's over time that you need to do it. So it's not like what you brushing your teeth, you brush your teeth really well once a month. You know, it's like the fact that you do it twice a day, every day, at least twice a yeah. day. That's what prevents, you know, a, all, all the disease to, to your gums and so forth. And so, um, I am a work in progress, right? And so I have now began a bit of a routine where, um, I'm, I'm, I don't sleep with the phone in, in mm, my room. Beautiful. So, because I've come to learn, so I'm also trying to learn all the time, um, bits and pieces and put them in my, and implement them. So the fact that you have your phone out, that's already distracting. And when you bring the phone into your bedroom, you're bringing in all those relationships and all those into your bedroom, work relationships, et cetera. So, um, I am not checking my phone after uh, 9 p.m. and I'm not checking it in the morning either. So the morning I wake up, I have my um, I have different journals that I keep and then just jot down depending uh, on. Uh, so I do expressive writing. So one is just mm-hmm. like a daily kind of a check-in, and so that one's very easy. And then depending on my mood or necessity, I have a, a journal that is more about uh, work. And then another one's my, I have, I, I'm, I've started a life plan. So um, through one of the experts, I learned that we're not very purposeful about, about our lives. So if we had a business, mm. we have like a, you know, a five-year plan, long-term plan, short-term plan, medium plan, all this stuff. If we're going our day, if we're going to dinner, we map that out. So I know I'm going, you know, at 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. to so-and-so's house. But when it comes to our lives, we kind of like let it happen and are haphazard at it. So I'm trying to be more uh, more structured and to, to really be in touch with my needs, my values, and in order to match whether my actions are aligned with my needs and my values so that I can take action that is going to then feel better to me. So then the emotion will be, uh, what I would like to kind of hedge to have, Mm -hmm. right? So if I engage in actions that are misaligned with my needs and values, I'm not going to feel pretty good. Right. And so I have control over that. I have more control over my actions, right? And and then, uh, but I have to be purposeful about looking at my needs and my values. Otherwise, I'm not going to really know uh, what my um, my guidepost is or, you know. So I'm, I'm doing that. I'm more conscious of that. I'm imperfect at it. I do do exercise every day. I, I, I run. I run two miles every day. Wow, and okay. I walk, uh, I don't know, daily or every other day, four miles in the evening. It really helps me a lot to get to, to be out in nature. I, I, it does something transformative. I, uh, also, uh, listen to music in the shower and that is, uh, it it just lights up certain parts of your brain. Like few things is music that you like that, that is significant to you. And that does a lot. A lot mm. for, for, for happiness is, is music. And if you can, dancing, move around, moving around. And have, 
a sense of fun with yourself. You know, we are very, and especially during these times, um, there's a lot of uh, really challenging events going on around the world. And so I think it's important to introduce moments throughout the day where you can be a little bit lighter and have a sense of fun with yourself and not take yourself so seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that's important. I also started uh, coloring, the coloring book. Um, uh, one of our, our speakers, Romero Brito, he is an artist and he does these, I think, weekly, every two weeks. He also posts these... Uh, these uh, coloring sheets that you can download and they're whimsical and they're fun and it's good for mindfulness to bring you back into the moment and relaxation. So, so doing that is also kind of fun. I'm terrible yeah. at coloring inside the lines. So <laughs> it's an opportunity to like Tal Ben Shahar permission to be human. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I, and I have these beautiful colors and I don't match them well. And, and then, you know, other people just know how to match colors and theirs looks fantastic. But you know what? It's fine. So it's acceptance yeah. of, of uh, it's, it's a funny thing because it's, it's so trivial, but it's, it's self-acceptance, self-love. I've also come to really realize the importance. There is nothing that can happen in your life without self-love. Mm. Nothing. You cannot love others. You cannot be, uh, and that's tied into, so, you know, happiness, forgiveness, compassion, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, there, there is nothing that you can do without that. You know, I mean, the whole um, um, uh, visual that people talk about all the time is, uh, you know, if you're in an airplane, they say that uh, if the mask come out, you have to put the mask first on yourself and then on others. And that's really true. Uh, the more that I uh, go deeper and deeper in this, in this subject, that it's beyond, you know, the gratitude list, which is very important, but the gratitude list, you know, be, be, be descriptive, be descriptive so you can actually feel it. You know, you can feel why, mm. why you're grateful and be descriptive about it. Think about the future, be descriptive about a, the future, use your imagination about a future that is positive, uh. right? We have catastrophizing thinking, we are obsessive thinking. Uh, 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 what if something goes right? What if things go well? Invest some time in that. It's not la-la land, but do open yourself up to the opportunity of thought that things could possibly go well. Um, and those, those, that's been, you know, because I've, I've done, I've listened, I've done research, uh, um, the webinars that we do on the Wahasu community platform have really changed my life personally um, because I'm present at all of them. And, yeah. uh, and, and the research that these spe- speakers and these experts talk about is, is incredible. It's incredible because you really can take action in your life and you really can uh, begin to feel better. Uh, it's an understanding of what happiness is. Happiness is not feeling great all the time, right? It is about a, a increasing opportunities where you do feel positive emotion more of the time. But mm, life yep. is challenging and there will be negative or challenging emotion um, uh, because it's life, right? And so, and how do you build resilience for, for when that happens so that you don't go so low and you bounce back faster, right? Um, and those, all these things are learnable. All of these things are learnable and there's an incredible body of research out there. It is incredible. It's, it's life changing. 
Um, it's incredible what you can do in relationships, in your family, in education, in the workplace. You know, you can turn a toxic workplace into a, a, a workplace with positive culture and, and positive organization. Absolutely amazing. I, I had one question, if I could just ask, uh, related to expressive writing, you talked about, you know, really that full creativity. Is that one of the, the avenues that you use uh, personally? And the, the, the topics you absolutely discussed there are incredible in terms of coverage, you know, related to um, you know, the, play, the things that you're doing on a daily practice and getting descriptive would really enable you to manifest across the initiatives that you're applying your energy towards. Uh, but I was just a little bit curious about the uh, expressive writing. If you'd share a little bit uh, just for the audience, uh, that'd be great. So um, thank you. Yes, for, for writing is incredibly important to me. I actually started writing, um, I started writing my book um, because oh, people wow. wanted to learn about my experience and so forth. And so I started writing my book. So I'm having um, the opportunity to express there. But in the journaling, um, you know what I did? I got journals in different colors. And so where I feel the need that I need to go to my orange journal that is more work related, and then I have uh, the purple that is a life plan, and then I have one that is, you know, relationship. And so it's really interesting how to do that because that way I can also see what it is that I need to do or what it is that is nagging me. Am I, am I feeling this way because it's a work thing? Am I feeling mm. this way because it's a relationship thing? Am I anxious about the future? You know, so by keeping it in different, um, in different colored journals, I'm able to also kind of be more mindful. So it's not like a mess that it's all, uh, because of course I'm, it's interrelated, right? So we, it's not Mm -hmm. all separate, but sometimes when you are able to keep it in separate, uh, in separate books or in separate writing, then you're able to see, oh, well, I'm feeling like this because I haven't done that, or this is really fantastic. I'm so grateful that I have this and it kind of balances out. So perhaps maybe you're having trouble with, with the relationship, but then, you know, you're like, whoa, but my work is really going great. And I do have this other thing going for me. So it's not all uh, meshed, you know, having said that, um, some people, what they do in the morning, they, they wake up and they decide to, um, to just for, they, they, they make a limited. So it's like three pages and they're just gonna like vomit whatever is, is going on. And they're thinking about, and it's just, they just write and they just, you know, with no purpose whatsoever, just what you wake up in the morning and you just unload, like just clean the slate that works for a lot of people. So, so, um, so they do that. No, that's absolutely amazing. And thank you for sharing about the the different colors. It's, that's beautiful. And that helps you to really to on the way in, figure out where does this sit across my life and where I should be, you know, kind of uh, compartmentalizing it, knowing that there's connectivity across, uh, you know, the different aspects of your life, but to say, okay, I want to take care of it in, in this fashion, uh, kind of from a business perspective. And uh, it's absolutely amazing idea. So Karen, can you share in more depth some of the initiatives that you're currently working on? Thank you, John. So, um, most importantly is uh, the work that we do with the Wahasu Foundation. So through the Wahasu Foundation, we organize and produce the World Happiness Summit. Uh, mm. It's a yearly event. 
takes place in uh, in Miami. Uh, we have our official host, the University of Miami. Um, we also have a uh, government meeting called the H20, and that one is with uh, bringing the experts and then bringing members of government with the idea of bringing the science into public policy. We've had two in Miami, and we had one in Lisbon as a partnership with UNESCO Peace and Positive wow. Peace in the University of Lisbon. And we uh, we were going to have the World Happiness Summit 20, uh, 20, uh, 20 in March, but six days before the event, we had to postpone to 2021 because of COVID. And uh, within two weeks, we pivoted and we we launched the uh, Wahasu community platform at worldhappiness.com with the idea of bringing the experts live uh, through master classes, workshops, uh, yoga classes, meditations, etc. And um, very quickly, we realized that it's really not about social distancing. It's about physical distancing. So mm. we, we wanted to increase opportunities for social connection during a time of physical distancing. So we used our platform, uh, our network of speakers who have been amazing and collaborative um, in, in, in trying to really uh, provide tools uh, to help people get through this very challenging time. We realized that uh, mental health issues are unfortunately climbing very quickly because of everything that's going on around the world right now. And so we created this, this membership as well to build community. So there's a social connection and communication aspect to it as well. Original programming, book club, etc., and a place to gather, you know, a safe, safe space to gather for inclusion and for uh, optimism and resilience. So uh, at the same time that we can talk about being anxious and being scared and all these other things and needing help, we also focus and, and choose to look at the, uh, the lens of optimism and how can we uh, become uh, a better or how can we build resilience or what how can we process life in a better way? Mm-hmm. Um, we created original programming. We have a chief happiness officer uh, certificate program, which we do with Florida International University School of Hospitality and Dr. Sandro Formica. That was original content. We are creating other original courses. Uh, education is very important to us. It's one of our uh, pillars uh, bringing the science into education. So one of the courses we're creating is to help um, high school and, and, and college students learn how to best learn and how to learn during an emotional, uh, when you're experiencing emotional challenges. And there is it's a science-based approach on how human beings best learn. And so the fact that they're doing such online uh, online courses through because they can't go to school in person in many places and also the, the emotional challenges that they're living. We thought it was very important to create a program for that. We've brought uh, speakers to the Broward County Public School District. It's the sixth largest in the United States. Wow. So we pivoted very quickly to bring um, resilience training, mindfulness, uh, art. We brought Romero Brito to them so that they could uh, also have some fun with the students. And he did an art class. And Romero actually founded the Happy Art Movement. And he Mm -hmm. created 
the art for the First World Happiness Summit. So Romero's mission has always been about creating art that makes people happy. So he's, he's a very strong supporter of that. And we brought uh, Tal Ben-Shahar's uh, Happier School Curriculum into the largest private school in South Florida. So we've really tried to bring, um, to tackle three main things. One is to become a global movement and, um, and, and just create community. Then to focus on education and bring the science into education. And the last part is to, re- well, two more actually in, in government, how I explained to you before with the H20 government meeting. And then mm-hmm. the last one is uh, to bring it to the workplace, right? And so we are creating programming and initiatives to transform organizations into positive organizations, positive culture through the chief happiness officer training because we realize that um, our biology is not geared for positivity. It's actually geared for the opposite, right? And so uh, it requires some training and some learning in order to create new habits, right? But it's, uh, it's worthy. It's worthwhile to invest. I mean, the the, um, the outcomes of productivity, creativity, sales, revenue, all these things increase, I think, most of them by over 30%. The engagement, employee engagement, um, fewer uh, uh, sick leaves, et cetera, et cetera, is quite impactful. But, uh, but it's something that is not innate in many of us and in many organizations are unfortunately um, negative or toxic. Mm, and yep. uh, but there is a way to do it, and it requires uh, some consciousness and some um, mindfulness to the process and how we communicate with others, how we treat others, how we treat others that matter, how we make them feel important and like they matter. And so we've been doing uh, all this kind of work to try to, to create, to co-create uh, a happier world and a healthier world. Uh, such an incredible personal story from your childhood and uh, you know, being, really being in a tough area of, of the world in terms of military regime, et cetera, through to you know, seven years ago, losing your significant other in terms of uh, uh, spouse, uh, which is an incredibly hard period of time, which you know, can really pe- turn people to go inwards and stay there for the rest of their lives. But you found that, uh, that inner strength you know, to really show up and live um, you know, through that journey and really, you know, all the things that you learn yourself now, it's, you know, it's manifested in, you know, science-based uh, and evidence-based uh, uh, summit and online community and, uh, you know, and all across your initiatives that uh, you can really, uh, you know, bring across the world. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Karen, where can people find you? Um, well, you can go to worldhappiness.com and get information there on with the World Happiness Summit, the H20, the Wahasu Community Platform. It's all there. People can become members. They can give memberships. Something we have a strong uh, coaching community, so and professional community. So people have been actually gifting uh, the membership to their clients because it's only thirty six dollars a month, and so um, they have been doing that. Um, $2.99 a month. No, it's $36 a year, sorry. $36 a year, I made a mistake. $36 a year, $2.99 a month. So the idea 
that we had with that is that if we make it basically less than a penny a day, we would get large volumes of people to, um, to join and, uh, and, and create this positive community um, that will transform the world and have this learning there. And if we all put it together, then we can, uh, we can fund the, the foundation. And through the foundation, we then bring programming to schools, to the, um, to, to the workplace, to government, etc. So we were very purposeful as, you know, to make it uh, like a nominal, very nominal uh, amount um, to, to, to be able to, to offer this kind of thing. So that's, that's where we're at. We are, it's a team effort. It's a collaboration. We welcome like-minded individuals who want to collaborate with us, network with us, create new things with us. Um, we believe that, um, that by uniting, we create uh, a bigger pie and then everyone slices just uh, organically bigger. So it's about creating, uh, like uh, Lord Richard Layard talks about, creating more win-win scenarios instead of mm. zero-sum yep. games. And so that's what we're really about is how do we help others as we help ourselves. And that's very important to the work that we do. Um, we realize, you know, we're very conscious of business and, and, uh, and the importance of that as well as, uh, community work and, uh, and, and philanthropy and, and, and altruism. Mm, beautiful. Uh, Karen, do you have any parting words for the audience in terms of, uh, you know, hope and happiness through this amazing journey you had really manifestation of this uh, unbelievable community that you created uh, just so that, you know, that, uh, uh, you can share with the audience as, you know, going through these turbulent times mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, just so that, you know, that they have that hope, that inner, you know, they can find their own internal inner strength, just like you have. So I would just like to say that, you know, I, 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 I feel and I understand the anxiety and stress that, we're, that we are undergoing right now. At the same time, there is... Um, there are things that we can control and we can do, and, and that's our mindset and, the, and framing how we see reality um, and that uh, an acceptance that life is challenging at times. So that it, 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 the moment I realized that life was difficult, it got a lot easier. So this acceptance that, yes, uh, life is challenging, and then that instead of letting life happen to you, you show up to your life. And so mm-hmm. you take action in things that you can control so that you can be an active participant in your life. Absolutely amazing. Karen, thank you for your online community, your summit, your organization, your speaking engagements, and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gain something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people find their happiness oxygen.